And now, it's time for Lawyers for Jesus Radio, lighting our path through law. A show about faith in the law and in the marketplace. Featuring the partners from the law firm Mauk and Baker. Located in downtown Chicago, Mauk and Baker is nationally known for defending freedom and serving the people of faith. And now, Lawyers for Jesus. Hello, welcome to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, an attorney and a partner with the law firm of Mauk and Baker in Chicago. We are Christian attorneys that focus on serving the body of Christ with its legal needs. You can learn more about us by going to maukbaker.com, that's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com, or call us at 312-726-1243. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for news and info about faith and the law. If you are someone who struggles with deciding which politicians to trust, you'll want to stay in tune and listen to this episode because our guest today is someone who has proven his trustworthiness. Today, we are speaking once again with Peter Roskam, who currently represents Illinois' 6th District in the United States House of Representatives and is currently in his sixth term of service. He's up for re-election this fall, so if you like what you hear in this episode, make sure to get out and vote for him. During his time in government, Representative Roskam has demonstrated his willingness to work with both sides and has demonstrated Christ-like character in addressing the needs of the American people. Representative Roskam, welcome back to the show. Rich, it's great to be with you. Thank you for having me on. Peter, I know this is a hotly contested race, and I want to get in right away because we have a very quickly moving show today. With the, uh, the coming days left, what do you want to tell your voters? What are the things you think are really important with regard to this election? You know, issues are so important, but there's something that's overriding this whole public debate that we're happening right now, Rich, and that is actually our tone. How is it, how is it that we're going to interact with one another in the public square? And what I've demonstrated in the past, and I feel a calling to do this, is to treat everyone respectfully, even opponents, even people with whom I disagree in terms of their worldview and their political perspectives. And my opponent has really embraced the politics of ridicule, which are so corrosive to the public debate and very, very off-putting. It's interesting. The Wall Street Journal um, came out. There was a reporter from the Wall Street Journal came out and he, he wrote a piece about this election and my opponent in particular. And he said, you know, I was coming out to cover a congressional district and write about tax policy and health care, basically. And then I interviewed Sean Caston, my opponent, and he was very surprised with the type of things that my opponent was saying, vitriolic, condescending, off-putting and hyperbolic, you know, really, really tough stuff and embracing uh, the use of language and embracing people in uh, the public debate who are not admirable people. And so uh, I, Peter, I've ahead. seen I, that. I've seen that article. It's in the wall street journal on October 20th. Uh, and it's a house majority by any means necessary. And I'm looking at words like Nazis, morons, uh, pedophiles, yeah. stuff like that. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it's, um, you know, my opponent has taken to this this habit now of, of, of tweeting and name-calling where, you know, he says Republican donors are morons. 
Okay, think about that. Every little old lady that's going out and helping a Republican candidate is, you know, writing a $25 check at the spaghetti dinner. He's calling her a moron. Or the Republican Party is the party of pedophiles. And it, it's one thing like this after another. And where this becomes corrosive is it demonstrates a lack of capacity to be gracious to people on the other side of the aisle. And what we need in this arena right now is some modicum of graciousness, the ability to not assume bad faith, bad motives on the part of political opponents, and instead trying to find the common ground. And it's just, it's so interesting. This, I just had in the Surgeon General of the United States, and we, he was in talking about this large package that we were able to pass through Congress on a bipartisan basis dealing with the opioid crisis. And it's good work. It's bipartisan work. Well, when we first started on this work, that's now life-changing, literally, um, my opponent just described that as BS. You know what I mean? Just, just completely dismissive of it. And you can't be dismissive of that for the families that are, that are impacted by it. And so my, my view is we need much more careful use of language, and particularly when a member of Congress or, you know, when we're entrusting a seat in the U.S. Congress, which is so significant and has such a big platform. Uh, this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker with the law firm of Malkin Baker. Today, U.S. Representative Peter Roskam is with us to talk about uh, what good can be achieved by working together in Congress. Uh, Peter, so, okay, you've just said that it's very important. You know, I think of the, the phrase, um, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But what I'm hearing yeah. from you is the tone of our words actually can break down the whole process of compromise necessary to get needed legislation through. Yeah, that's it exactly. And it becomes, you know, it just becomes corrosive and, and ultimately destructive. Here's the yeah. way it, this is supposed to work. Let me just give you an example. You know, there was a, um, we know the, the targeting scandal at the IRS. At the same yes. time as the targeting scandal, Lois Lerner was going on a little bit later. There was another scandal at the IRS. And this had to do with the IRS was abusing small businesses through civil asset forfeiture cases. And to collapse this down in the interest of time, they were putting enormous pressure on small businesses to come up with a $50,000 fine. And, um, and it was not right. So I went to the Democrats on my subcommittee. I'm a Republican. I went to the Democrats on my subcommittee and brought this to their attention. And I said, you're not for this. And they said, absolutely, we're not for this. So we said, all right, let's do something about it. So we dragged in the commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service. We dragged an apology out of them. We got the IRS to change their policy, and we got the IRS to send the money back. And then we worked to change the law together. And we got every single member of the House, Republicans and Democrats, to join with us to take this authority away from the IRS. Now, that matters. And when I was chairing the committee, the, one of the leading Democrats, one of the leading liberals in Congress, John Lewis, who's from Atlanta and a civil rights icon and really a, a, a figure of incredible, well-deserved renown, he said during that hearing in the process, he said, never have I had a, such a spirit of bipartisanship on this committee as I do right now. And I think, Rich, there is a palpable sense of relief that the public feels when they see their elected officials working together 
And the only way you can work together is if you're in a relationship with one another. And the only way you can have a relationship is if you're talking to one another. And that's I absolutely agree. Name. Peter, I'm one of your voters, and I feel a great deal of discomfort as to what's taking place um, in Washington right now. And, and, and the uh, as I categorize it right now, it's the... Um, you know, resistance movement, which just says anything that comes out of uh, the Republican Party, we will resist. And and I'm very concerned about that. What's what's your view on that? Yeah, that was reflected in the Wall Street Journal piece where my opponent said that he will use any means necessary in order to gain the majority. Now, think about that. That means, in, and in the article itself, it, it is that what was uh, the title of the article, a House Majority by Any Means Necessary. You know, he, he holds up for admiration somebody who was, uh, you know, basically involved in political blackmail. I mean, literally blackmailing a mayor of New York into doing something, and that was to be admired. Or political slander, demeaning and, and besmirching the name of then-presidential candidate Rick Santorum in ways that were graphic and sexual and inappropriate. And the, my, my opponent says he admires that. Well, I don't well, admire we saw, that. I don't admire that at all. I was, I don't know how to say it, devastated by the Kavanaugh hearings and what took place there. I just, I did not think that was the appropriate form, and especially the tactics used um, there just really, really offended me. So um, I'm, I'm with you on that. I'm thinking about, the things that I see that almost look like bordering on, on chaos where um, mobs are hunting down political figures and, and um, yelling at them at restaurants and shaming them outside their houses and things like that. And I'm just, I'm just wondering what is going on. Yeah. Nothing good is going on. If that, if that gets rewarded. And here's the thing, if my opponent goes to Congress, then what it, what it communicates is, well, this is how you do it. This is what you do. You, you ridicule, you demean, you bring rhetorical gasoline to an already raging fire and fuel it up even more. And by contrast, if I'm able to prevail in this race, it will be, be in part, some of it will be issues related. And I think my issues positions are in sync with the congressional, um, the, the congressional office, but important with the congressional constituency, but almost as important right now, Rich is the tone and the way in which we interact. Well, Peter, I, I want to get back to that in, in the second segment of the show and talk about some of those positions. But um, we're, we're just ending up here. It seems to me such a great shame. I don't know what the Democratic position this time around is. It seems to be so often just the hardball tactics that are being played in terms of ridicule. And, and um, I don't know what the issues are in some ways. Yeah. I'll give you an example. So we worked hard in this tax reform effort to, to update our tax code, and we actively pursued Democrats on the Ways and Means Committee, the tax writing committee on which I served. Uh, served. We sat down with them. We pursued them. We interacted with them. And some of them, who uh, I've known for a number of years, said finally to me, Peter, if Donald Trump is for this bill, I have to be against it. Now think about that. If, if the president is for it, they have to be against it. Coming up, we will talk further with U.S. Representative Peter Roskam of Illinois' 6th District, which covers parts of DuPage, 
Kane, McHenry, Lake, and Cook County. I'm Rich Baker, and this is Lawyers for Jesus Radio. Welcome back to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker, partner with the law firm of Malkin Baker, and we're talking with U.S. Representative Peter Roskam, who represents Illinois' 6th District. Peter, you're up in a tight race right now. There's a lot at stake. When we Before break, we were talking about the tone of this campaign and how important working with the other side can be. And I had lamented that so often it seems that tone becomes the issue rather than really looking at some of the issues that our 6th District is facing. Let me start out with a question because I have many. Uh, there's a big discussion going on with regard to Obamacare. I know you've done a lot of work on that. And, and so uh, particularly with the pre-existing conditions, what's going on there and where do you stand with that? So pre-existing conditions really do need to be protected. And that is, a, that is a, one of a handful of things that come out of the Affordable Care Act that I uh, strongly support. It's interesting. Nationally, there's millions of dollars in ads. There's, there's probably a couple million bucks that are running against me making a false claim that I'm against pre-existing condition protection. Well, Peter, and before you is, go on, before you go on, explain pre-existing conditions for our listeners. So, it, in other words, uh, the idea is if somebody has a medical condition, they've got to be have, have access to an insurance pool. And pre-existing condition protections says that even if you have a particular ailment, you can still get insurance coverage. And there's a false claim out there that says Republicans don't care about these people and they just want to send them all to the wolves. Well, that was all fact-checked by the Washington Post, and the Washington Post gave that four Pinocchios because they recognized that Republicans want to protect people who have this. And, well, if um, the Washington Post is giving that to you, then, then it's got to be true because they're not known as... That really does. Uh, you know what? There's another question that comes up uh, related to these medical questions, and that's Medicare fraud. Uh, I know you've been involved in that. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. Medicare fraud. If you ask Medicare today, Rich, they will tell you that their fraudulent and erroneous payment rate is 10%. Now, that means about $40 billion a year. Think about that. $40 billion a year is going out the door either fraudulently or erroneously. And it begs the question, how is this possible? Well, it's possible because Medicare uses a, an old payment model that doesn't take advantage of the type of technology that our credit card companies use that say, hey, is this really Rich Baker? Is he really in Tunisia today? And is he really buying tchotchke on the street? We don't think so. And they shut down that charge. Medicare doesn't do that. And so what I'm trying to, what I've been doing is working with the Obama administration previously, with the Trump administration, to update this and deploy new technology in this space. So, you know, we've been talking about the need for common ground and bipartisanship work. How has that worked in this particular one? My guess is that everybody's against Medicare fraud. Everybody is, and it's worked really, really well. And so we've, we've come together, we've been pushing, and this is basically the legislature against the bureaucracy. So oh, the members of Congress that you talk to, you describe this problem, say, hey, I, I need your help, and they're, they're happy to help. Now, you're weighing in against the bureaucracy that has a lot of power, and they basically pat you on the head and say, oh, they're there, Mr. Congressman, and so forth. And, and it is uh, basically Congress versus the bureaucracy, and it's done on a bipartisan basis. 
Well, Peter, I have a microphone here. As one of your citizens, I'm going to register a complaint. I want to see the Congress actually take back a little bit of their authority from the bureaucracy. So I'm putting you on notice, Mr. Congressman. Fair point. I'm all about it, my friend. I agree <laughs> yeah, wholeheartedly. I, I, I really do. And, I'm, and, and for the president, actually. I think uh, Congress has let go of some of its key responsibilities, and it's the body that we really directly elect that's um, right. That's it. Exactly. And so you you have a very very important place. All right. So so let me go on. Um, you know what? Another issue, and we've already talked about it in the past, but it is so important right now. And and we see this with this caravan of thousands of people moving toward uh, the U.S. border. What do you? What are your thoughts on immigration? Um, are and I, I've heard and I've seen brochures that say. Well, Roskam voted 94% with Trump. How, do, how does that work, and, and, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I'm on the 94% figure, you know, Donald Trump doesn't vote. Donald Trump signs things that we put on his desk, and so I would hope that we're putting things on his desk that we think are good, and I'm in the majority party, and so that, that makes a certain amount of sense. The other, the other issue as it relates to immigration generally is to take a step back and say, look, we didn't get into this situation overnight, and the notion that we're going to pass one bill on a comprehensive basis and fix it all is incredibly naive. I think most people in our constituency in the 6th District would say, I want to start with, with border security. I want to make sure we don't have a child separation policy because they're really offended by that. And I want to make sure that the kids who are, came here through no fault of their own or no volition of their own are treated well and are assimilated into our culture because they're basically, you know, uh, otherwise kids with, with, without a country. So that was a bill that we had on the floor of the House of Representatives earlier this year, which I supported. The problem was half of my party did not support it, and not a single Democrat supported it. And I think the Democrats didn't support it because they don't want to give Donald Trump a, quote, win on immigration and they would much rather have an issue fester. And I know that's a terrible thing to say, but I'm saying it because I, I believe it to be true. They would rather have an issue than have a remedy. You're listening to Lawyers for Jesus Radio. I'm Rich Baker of the firm of Malk and Baker. We're speaking with U.S. Representative Peter Roskam, who represents parts of DuPage, Kane, McHenry, Lake, and Cook County, all in the 6th District. Peter, pick it up from there. So... What do we do about so immigration? Yeah, so here's what we got to do. We got to break it down. First of all, we need more more funding for the border. That's self-evident. I mean, um, there's. I'm not particularly in favor of a border wall per se. I think we're much better off having walls in urban areas along the border, but walls out in the middle of nowhere aren't aren't really helpful. Second there's thing other is, technology, isn't there, for that? Yeah, there's a lot of other technology and things that work. And so let's let's go that route. The second thing is. We should come up with a rational guest worker program where people get checked, ID'd, paying taxes, and so forth, and that process then becomes normalized, particularly with the wage, uh, with the uh, the worker shortage that we're experiencing with this economy that's growing so much. Then locally, we should staple a green card to everybody who's getting a PhD in one of the STEM sciences, you know, uh, in engineering. We we want all those people to stay in our area and not move back to their country of origin. We want them to stay here and flourish. And then finally, the big question is, what do you do with 12 million people who are here illegally? And I'll just tell you, I had a fascinating meeting with a group of moms, undocumented moms, 
who live in, in our constituency, and I said, my proposal is that you can get right with the law, and your punishment, if there is a punishment, is that you never get to become a citizen because you broke the law coming in, but you can still get normalized. But we want all of your kids to become citizens. And you know what, Rich? Every mom, when I asked, what do you think of that? Every mom put her hand up and said, I'm for that plan. So I, I, I think I'm impressed. I'm loving hearing this. Um, I'm going to run out of time if we don't keep moving here. What about the 6th District? What's special? What are, what are you looking at for the 6th District in particular? 6th District, you know this constituency well. It's filled with all kinds of professionals. It's filled with all kinds of people who've chosen to live here from all over the world. It's filled with small manufacturers, second and third generation companies primarily, that are manufacturing and shipping all over the world. There's healthcare, financial services, transportation, food production, a lot of, a lot of areas. So folks want to see the economy flourish. They, they want to make sure that the economy is growing, and they don't want to send more money to Washington, and they don't want to send more money to Springfield, Illinois, that's for sure. And so the economic side of things is where they, they, they want to see us move forward. And they also want a civil discourse. They want, to, they want to be able to interact with their friends and neighbors without the politics becoming toxic. And not being embarrassed about their politicians, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I And I will say so. this, as one of your voters, I'm not embarrassed about the way you relate to the other side and the way you handle your politics. Peter, right. I think that your faith is part of the basis uh, for the way you interact. Can you it, it, um, help us out on that? How does your faith yeah. affect how you are? You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about this, and there's, there's, you know, when we were in law school and we studied substantive due process and procedural due process, and, oh, and yes. there's a distinction there. All right, so th this is how it sort of manifests itself in my walk. The substantive due process, so to speak, are the things that I think are immutable. In other words, positions that I think are grounded in Scripture, right to life, you know, those sorts of things that, that, are, that are not going to move and are not going to change, regardless of sort of the whims of, of the public. The, uh, the procedural due process, I would analogize to the way in which I interact with other members of Congress. How is it, you know, even though I have um, I'm in the majority. It doesn't mean I can abuse the minority party procedurally. I need to. I need to protect their rights as well. And so I think, as a follower of Jesus, that's what I'm called to do: to reflect those things that I think are deeply grounded in Scripture, and and are not immutable, are not changeable, are not subject to negotiation. And I would put the right to life in that category. And then also interact with people that recognizes that they're children of God. These are creatures of the, of the Lord who he has made and um, wants to be in relationship with. For those who are interested in your campaign, how can they get a hold of you? How can they look up your positions? Real go? easy. So uh, first thing is get on the phone and just call our campaign, 630-221-0006. Or they can go to Roscom. ForCongress.com. Roskam is R-O-S like Sam, K-A-M like Mary, for Congress.com. Thank you, Peter. Um, I encourage everyone to get out. I, I personally am working with Peter, and I encourage everyone to do the same. If you have a legal need or a question and want the perspective of a local Christian attorney, contact us at Mauk and Baker. You can reach us at 312-726-1243 or at Mauk.com. 
maucbaker.com. That's M-A-U-C-K-B-A-K-E-R.com. Gonna have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're gonna have to serve somebody. 